Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Well, hey, PCC, special shout out to our house churches gathering today and to everybody gathering today, whether you're in your home or with somebody, I'm glad you're with us. Quick announcement, want you to join us at the town hall meeting today that happens right after our second service. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. The word is opened. We have worshiped you. And now we've come to become more like you. Would you guide us in that endeavor, please? We pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, I got a question for you. Have you ever lost a pair of sunglasses or glasses? We all have, right? I mean, we are seeding sunglasses out into the world. It's amazing we all don't have hundreds of them for all the sunglasses that have been lost. Have you ever done this? Hey, honey, where are my glasses? Hey kids, where are my sunglasses? To your roommates, hey, have you seen my sunglasses? And this is the worst. And then you feel them on the top of your head where they've been all the time. Why do we do that? Psychologists actually have a term for this. It's called selective attention. Selective attention is a dynamic in the human brain where we only see what we want to see, where we only see what we expect to see, where we become blind to the rest of our environment. We all suffer from selective attention to one degree or another. Just ask anybody who's been married for more than two seconds about this. Here's the amazing thing about those of us who've experienced new life in Christ. If you identify as a follower of Jesus, listen up. The Holy Spirit actually opens us up and removes the blinders from our selective attention, spiritually speaking, and enables us to see things we've never seen before. This is the story of the book of Acts. And this is the story of Ephesians chapter two. Last week, we were reminded that in Jesus, Jesus came to bring spiritually dead people to life and then to open our eyes and to break our hearts with what breaks his. In a word, Well, to make us radiant. Do you know what the one attribute is of someone who's interacted with the Holy Spirit, who's been filled with the Holy Spirit, the dominating attribute? Their eyes are open to the lost, to the hurting, to the poor. They aren't consumed with themselves. They're other-centered and consumed with what God wants for their community, for their neighborhood, for their church. They aren't inundated with cultural headlines. They're creating kingdom headlines of their own. Last week, we talked about two headlines from Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, that that Christians uh, renew their mind with and live out. It's pivotal to our church. This week, I want to take the back end of Ephesians 2 and pick it up and talk about two more headlines. Do you forget last week's? I'll remind you. First headline was this, all of humanity has rebelled and run away from God. The second headline was this, God did the unthinkable when we rebelled. He ran after us, not to punish us, but to rescue us. That's Ephesians 2, 1 to 7. And I want to pick it up because these four headlines are driving our church. This is a vision series, are driving us into this coming year. 
I know there's terrible headlines on our home pages. I know there's a lot out there that could get us really discouraged. But when you renew your mind with these headlines, I got to tell you, the Holy Spirit will use this to make us a force for good to build his kingdom. All right, open your Bibles to Ephesians 2, verse 11. Let's pick it up at the third headline. Here we go. Here's a third headline. In Christ, we are restored and repurposed poemas. In Christ, we are restored and repurposed poemas. Restoring and repurposing things are really in right now. I've got the greatest restoration story on the planet, the greatest repurposing story on the planet. And it's right here in Ephesians 2, verse 8. Look at this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. He's summarizing what he just said in verse 1 to 7. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works. You can't earn this, so no one can boast. Now look at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. In the original language, that's the word poema. I'll get to it in a minute. We are God's handiwork. Other versions call it, we are God's workmanship or God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, in the first century, a poema was actually uh, a work of art. It's what we get poem, poetry from in our English language. It was a work of art. It was a masterpiece. If there was a piece of art that defined an artist's greatness, that was called their poema. Uh, maybe you've heard the story of Michelangelo. Uh, who is an amazing artist, right? No one refutes that. Amazing architect, amazing artist, uh, unbelievable. But with the story of David, that 16-foot-high statue, you know, before Michelangelo created David, uh, one artist diligently worked on that piece of marble and unsuccessfully gave up. And he said, I can do nothing with it, and threw it in a heap, of marble and it lasted outside in weather to became brittle for 40 years. Others tried to work on it, they failed. And then one day, Michelangelo was on a walk and he saw that stone and he believed it had great potential. And we know what happened. From that seemingly worthless stone, Michelangelo created one of the world's masterpieces, the greatest sculpture uh, arguably in the world. Michelangelo believed that the job of the sculptor was to free forms that were already existing in the stone. As a matter of fact, if you go to Florence and go see David, you'll walk through what's called the Hall of Prisoners. These are images that Michelangelo never finished and and they're works of art that are half released from the stone, half done. I love that because when Jesus looks at you and me, especially in Christ, and don't miss this, okay? This is so important to PCC and to our year. When Jesus looks at every human being on the planet, every human being you work with, every human being you live with, he doesn't see a rough piece of rock. He sees a potential masterpiece. He sees the image of God, and we should too. We should drop our selective attention and see what God sees. And for the church, when Jesus looks at the church, when we look at each other, Jesus sees Christ in us. He sees the masterpiece that he died to create in us. Do you understand what this means, my friends? 
This is so important. We are God's poema, and we've been created for good works. One author, Tim Keller, says it this way, what is art? Art is an expression of the inner being of the artist. Imagine what it means to be in Christ, if this is true. He says, you're beautiful, you're valuable, and you're an expression of the very inner being of the divine artist, God himself. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't say, I'm going to die just so you know I love you. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to die for your splendor so I can recreate you into something beautiful, something splendid, something magnificent. I'm the artist, Keller writes. You're the art. I'm the painter, speaking of God. You're the canvas. I'm the sculptor. You're the marble. You don't look like much more there in the quarry of your sin, but oh, God says, I can see it. Friends, Jesus is an artist. And you, my friends, hear me. Me and you in Christ, we are his crowning achievement. His poema. So, I want you to hear this really clearly. This headline is so important. Christianity is a religion of works. It is. It's not our work, though. It's the work of God to save us. And then, in light of that, us walking in good works that he created in advance for us to do. Do you see that in verse 10? Our works have nothing to do with you and I go to heaven. Hear me, it's a gift. But they are the overflow of a life going to heaven. And when you really believe that, that God has created good works for your day, it, it stops being accidental. You get um, discouraged by COVID, but you're not taken out because you realize, my goodness, every day is a fresh day to walk in good works that God's created in advance for us to do. I have a habit in my morning where after I spend time with the Lord, I open my Google calendar and I open a, a really a physical paper calendar and I write my appointments down from Google to paper. And as I do, I pray through them. But then I always say, God, you've already walked through my day. You create the audible. You already know where I'm going to be. Would you create divine appointments? And I'm going to tell you, uh, not every day. But a lot of days, there's an adventure to be had. And not all of it's dramatic. But God always had good works in store for me. So I want you to pause at this point and discuss what are the good works that you think God has recreated you for right now in this season? I'll say it again. What are the good works you think God has recreated you for right now in this season? Ready? Go.
What I love about our church is because of Christ, good works are happening off this campus and during COVID like never before. We're going to talk about that at our town hall meeting today. PCC, you got to believe this is at the core of our mission. It should be the core of our lives if we're Christ followers, that we see everybody, everybody qualifies to be a poema, a divine masterpiece. And those good works actually creates goodwill so we can share the good news. I'm living that right now in my neighborhood and it's incredible. But we don't exist as a church to be a masterpiece in a museum. Expecting people like we did when we went to Florence four summers ago uh, as a family to pay a ticket and walk into a place and just marvel at it. No, no, no. God didn't want his church to be a museum. He wants us to be out in the mess. And that's our final headline. And don't miss this, okay? Because this is fresh manna for me this year as I restudied Ephesians 2 and, and 1 to 10 gets all the press. It's almost the high point of the book of Ephesians, but it gets really good in verse 11 too. Here's our fourth headline. In Christ, we are restored. We are repurposed. You ready? To be radiant reconcilers. In Christ, we are restored and we are repurposed to be radiant Reconciles. Everybody say out loud. If you're at home alone, if you're in a house church, I want to hear you. Radiant reconcilers, go. Yeah, that's it. Look at verse 11. Therefore, in other words, that one word says, Paul says, let me tell you why the first 10 verses are in Ephesians 2. It doesn't end in verse 10. Verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, that word in the English language, uh, I'm sorry, in the Greek language is ethnos, ethne in the plural. That's uh, where we get ethnicity from. Now he's going to talk about a religious and ethnic division. And the reason that we were recreated in Christ is to bring that division together as one. Look what it says. This is good. You who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ and we all should have a collective gasp when we read that. Has it been too long? Do you remember what it was like to be separate from Christ? Some of you don't because you grew up in a Christian home and, and you came to Christ at an early age and I praise God for you. That is the testimony of some of my daughters. But for someone like me who came to Christ at 18, I still remember the pain of being lost, living undefined. Oh, I still remember that. We were separate from Christ. We were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise. Look at this. This describes uh, why all the pain is in our culture, sociologically speaking, without hope, without God and in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he's our peace. He has made the two groups, look at this next word, one. That is the same word that God describes himself by. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's the same word God designed for marriage. The two shall become one. And now it appears that is the same word that should describe the church that we uh, who are far off come near and we become one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Well, dividing wall of hostility. 
being brought near and once being far off. What's going on? Paul is alluding to what the Ephesians knew. He's alluding to the temple in Jerusalem that Herod built. It was all about divisions. At the core of the temple was the Holy of Holies, where they believed, the Jews believed, the presence of God dwelt. And there was a huge curtain, a veil, that blocked off the Holy of Holies. One high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And then there was a section for the Levites. Those were the temple servants that served, the priests that served next to the Holy of Holies. And then there was a wall, and then there was a place that only the Jewish men could go to. And then as you get further away, there's a place that only the Jewish women could go to and not go any further. And then the first century historian Josephus tells us that below the court of the women was a five foot stone barrier and 14 steps going down. And then you had the court of the Gentiles, which is what God designed so that the whole world, all the world could worship God. This was a place if you were non-Jewish but loved Yahweh, you could come and worship God. But by the time of Jesus and by the time that the Ephesian church came into being, this letter was written, Jews hated Gentiles. They hated them. As a matter of fact, we've, uh, they've uncovered rabbinic sayings that says Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fire of hell. That God loved only Israel of all the nations of the world. This was a racial and religious division. And Paul says, in Christ, all that, that five-foot wall, it's obliterated. And the court of the Gentiles, the furthest away from the Holy of Holies in Christ, you are brought near so you can become one. You remember on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished and died? What happened to that curtain that was in the Holy of Holies? It ripped in two. Not only, don't miss this, so that anyone could access God now, not just a high priest once a year, but so that God could come out of the Holy of Holies and experience, people all over the world could experience God, not just in the temple, in one place at one time. Friends, we have been repurposed to be radiant reconcilers. Gentiles and Jews, Paul saying to Ephesians, the ethnos are reconciled in Christ. Is that your experience? Can I ask you an honest question? Would, would uh, once you've been, if you are reconciled vertically to God through Christ, are you known as a reconciler on this planet amongst your neighbors? Are we reconciling generations as a church when so much divides us in this culture? Are we reconciling socioeconomic divisions that plague our very city? Are we reconciling racial, ethnic divisions that have caused attention and have for years and are causing great discouragement? Look, I know for the majority of us, our heart is beating right now, and if you uh, didn't care what people think, you'd be standing on your seat going, yes, yes, I'm, I'm all in on this. But let the Holy Spirit bring conviction we have been repurposed and restored to be radiant reconcilers. Verse 15, God's purpose was to create in himself, look at this, one new humanity. Friends, those three words mark my dream for this church. Not only my dream, but the dream of the PCC leadership. 
one new humanity, that we would be a model for this city, a model for this state, a model for the country, a model for the world. Whoa, I'm getting a little excited here. A model of one new humanity, of a new creation of how we should function, where all that divides out in the culture doesn't divide in the church. One new body, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and uh, in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Think we have some hostility in our culture today? Absolutely. Let's pick up on this word that Paul uses, reconciliation. What is reconcile? This is at the core of the gospel. It means uh, to bring together friends who've been estranged to remove any hostility between two beings so you have unity and peace. Reconciliation is amazing. And it's what Jesus did on the cross so that you and I can have a relationship vertically with God where we know, well, Paul said in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those of us, verse 1, who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, But Paul doesn't want it to end vertically. He wants there to be, for those of us who've been uh, restored and renewed in Jesus, to be repurposed, to be radiant reconcilers where we live. That means for me, on the 100 block of Grand Street, I want to be a radiant reconciler. So that the way I live, people look at my life, and this is very aspirational, look at our home, look at our relationships and go, wow, there must be an amazing God because of the way they live their lives. I wanna be the house on that street that reconciles uh, parties who live on the street to each other, even though there's so much that divides. Listen, you gotta hear this, the blood of Jesus, it doesn't just bring us near to God. The blood of Jesus doesn't even just bring us near to one another. Notice what he says, the blood of Christ creates a new humanity. A new humanity. That word new doesn't mean like uh, like, um, a production line where a new car comes out that's just like all the other new cars. It means new, a different kind of quality, a different kind of entity, a brand new humanity should be on the planet, followers of Jesus. That's why Paul could say to the Galatian church in chapter 3, verse 26 and 28, so in Christ you are all children of God through faith, and there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. So I want you to pause one more time, and I want you to ask this question. What walls is God telling you to tear down for his glory and for the good of your neighborhood. It could be at work. It could be in your very home. It could be uh, in your neighborhood. It could be somewhere else. What are the walls that God is calling you to tear down for his glory and for the good of your neighbors? Ready? Go.
So church, this year, we're gonna prioritize three specific walls coming down. And uh, this is so important. I want you to lean in. We're going to talk about this more at our town hall meeting. And next week uh, in the message, talk about it a lot more. Here's the first. We're going to see spiritual walls come down so that lost people are found. We are going to put this gospel right in the center of everything we do in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, in, in our uh, bridges ministry, in our men's ministry, in our women's ministry. We're going to see lost people found in two tools. If you're going, what do I do? I don't know where to begin. We have a tool called Bless that we've been every fall introducing. You can go to the website and find it or uh, we'll get it to you. And then we have something this fall called Alpha for seekers to head to, to experience and bring their questions to God. We're going to see spiritual walls come down so lost people are found. Secondly, we're going to see generational walls come down. And we're going to come around uh, these with these five generations we have. We're going to come together so that kids and teens and parents thrive. We're going to see uh, kids and teens come alive in Christ because they have intergenerational relationships. Peter is on board with this. Danny and his team, Johnny and Hannah and others, were, and Monica, they're on board with this, seeing the generations come together so that kids and teens thrive. Now, you know what's interesting about that second wall? That is one of our city's top priority. The city council has met our schools. This is their top priority. Now, we come at it differently, but we're going we're gonna to go into the city around a common theme, and hopefully we can get close enough to our city because we have this in common. We're living this out. And they can, through our working together, sniff out the gospel because the aroma of Christ is coming off of us. The third wall that's coming down, lean in. We're going to see ethnic walls come down. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2? One new humanity. In the book, The Third Option, that we're encouraging uh, everyone in the church to read, uh, Miles McPherson talks about the human genome, that we have 99.5% of our genome in common. We have way more in common than we do that separates us. But it's our culture that is separated by race and class and other things. In Christ, the selective attention has been lifted and we see people, like we talked about, as potential masterpieces made in the image of God. Dr. King, almost 60 years ago, in 1963, said the most segregated hour on church uh, of the week is 11 a.m. on Sundays as people go to church. We want to see ethnic walls come down and be the place that the city look, looks to and says, wow, they're doing something up there because they are interracial and they are multi-ethnic and they're coming together in a way we could only dream of. Friends, there's a beauty in the Bible as it relates to these issues. It doesn't matter what causes divisions between us, but the answer is simple, simple in breaking down these walls. The answer is Christ is our peace. I get that specifically from Ephesians 2. I didn't say it was easy, but it's really simple. Jesus changes lives. And Jesus is the hope for PCC and the hope for Redwood City in 2020 and 2021 and beyond. Let's follow Jesus. 
Let's live these headlines. Let's see the selective attention fall off and look at life through the eyes of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, you have in store for those of us who love you. Father, I pray this year around these three priorities specifically that you would stir in our hearts to see what you see so that walls come tumbling down. You've done it literally in your word. Do it again in our day. It starts with us. It starts with you while your head's bowed. What is the Holy Spirit convicting you about of walls you built horizontally or vertically? Maybe you feel distant from God and you can just say to Jesus, yes, please, you've broken through the walls. Yes, step into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. Yes, I want to do life your way. And that vertical wall, that barrier between you and God will break and you can be implanted with a brand new operating system. But for those of us in Christ, what is the Holy Spirit convicting you of right now around these three walls? Who in your neighborhood is God calling you to cross a divide and share the gospel or bless in Jesus' name? What generational walls need to be broken down? What relational walls? What ethnic walls are we going to take? Are you going to take the initiative to break through and humble yourself and make peace? PCC, let's talk at the town hall meeting. We'll be back next week. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers. God bless you. I love being your pastor. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.